The Law Podcasting Podcast is brought to you by Power Podcasting for Lawyers, the only how-to podcasting course designed specifically for attorneys, where you can learn the ins and outs of creating and producing your own law podcast so you can grow your practice by building authority, affinity, and trust with prospective clients and referral sources. With short, easy-to-digest video and audio lessons and a community of like-minded lawyer podcasters, Power Podcasting for Lawyers is the best way to get your show off the ground smoothly and quickly. Learn more about Power Podcasting for Lawyers at lawpodcasting.com. This is the Law Podcasting Podcast, where you learn how to use modern media to get your message out and more good clients to your law practice. Here's your host, Gordon Firemark. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode number 57 of the Law Podcasting Podcast. I am your host, Gordon Firemark, and this is the show where I bring information about how lawyers are using the power of podcasting to support and develop their businesses, even if they're not specifically podcasting about the law. Now, my guest today is David Lizerbram, a San Diego area business law strategist who provides help to entrepreneurs and businesses of all sizes, from solo business owners to publicly traded companies. He has expertise in large-scale fundraising rounds and strategic partnerships, intellectual property, and the whole raft of issues that face startups and uh Uh, He's a terrific lawyer. He has an undergraduate degree from the prestigious USC School of Film and uh, Television and received his law degree from Loyola Law School here in Los Angeles. He serves on a number of nonprofit boards and he speaks regularly on all sorts of legal matters, including at the San Diego Comic-Con for the past eight or so years. And uh, we were just talking before we started about uh, this coming year as well. So we're here to talk, though, about podcasting. David's show is called Products of the Mind. David Lizerbram, thanks for being with us. Thanks uh, for having me. <laughs> so I'm tell excited. me, yeah, it's great. It's great. So tell me a little bit about your podcast. What is Products of the Mind all about? Products of the Mind is a conversation about the intersection of business and creativity. So you alluded in your intro, which was very nice. I might, maybe I'll steal that and <laughs> <laughs> post it on my site or something. Um, uh, you alluded to some of my background. I have a creative arts background. I went to film school and I'm a musician and I do a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, And some of my clients are in the entertainment and generally speaking creative spaces and others are more traditionally entrepreneurs, although that term can mean a lot of things these days. Mm -hmm. And over time, I kind of felt like the conversations I was having with people in the quote unquote creative spaces and people that are in business, um, there was a lot of similarities. It's there's a sort of similar muscle group that's being flexed there. Whether you're coming up with a, you know, a, a film project or writing a book or solving problems for clients or customers, mm-hmm. so um, that was sort of the thesis or the the, the impetus to get started. Um, and um, so I've been having fantastic conversations with lots of very interesting people, and it's been really rewarding and a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So um, it's mostly an interview show. Now we were talking just before we started that you started the show. Uh, the first few episodes were sort of instructional lecture format. And uh, so tell us about that decision and and what the format of the show is on a going forward basis. Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be, it's always been intended to have a little bit of a mix between solo uh, shows where I discuss a legal topic 
um, and then interviews. But the intention was always to have the balance be mm -hmm. interviews. Um, you, you know, talking about this tactically, because I know your audience is attorneys who yep. um, are or are interested in getting into podcasting. So, number one, I, I like most attorneys, end up kind of repeating myself from time to time. <laughs> you know, a new client comes in and, you know, I'm starting all over again, um, educating them yeah. in most cases. I do a lot of intellectual property work, specifically trademarks. Mm -hmm. That's a big part of my practice. So, you know, what is a trademark and how do you choose a strong trademark, things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, I've just kind of turned into a broken record. So I do strive to make that information available to clients or prospective clients in a variety of different media. I've written blog posts about it. I've posted um, slide decks, you know, presentations on my site and SlideShare. And so I knew that I could use this audio medium to effectively communicate the same information because people learn differently. So I um, seeded a couple of those types of shows into my early mm -hmm. few episodes because I knew that, you know, people know me for doing that. And I was able to embed those episodes on relevant pages in my website sure. so that somebody who finds me and maybe is looking up, okay, wait, what is a copyright or a trademark and, and what do I need to know about it? They now have the opportunity to listen to it in audio format if that's what works best for them. That, that's great. So you've got in strategically what you've done is you've taken this, this uh, content that you've created in your podcast feed, but you've also put it on the website in a way that people don't have to be listening or subscribing to your show in order to find that episode. Um, it's, it's right there among other content that they will find from an SEO basis. If they search the search engines, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's kind of the idea. You know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I know that podcasts typically you kind of, um, it's, there's a, there's a neomania, meaning you're always looking for the new thing. You're looking for the latest episode. Mm -hmm. Now, if I really get into a show, you know, I'll dig back through the archives, but it's not on-demand information necessarily unless you somehow Google or search and you come across a particular episode that's from the archives, but that's relevant to what you're looking for. Um, but I knew that somebody who just wanted to hear from me about the basics of trademarks, they weren't going to go through you know, search through a hundred podcast episodes to find that one. Mm -hmm. So I, when I set up the show, I set up smart podcast player. Um, cause I knew that that was going to give me a very clean looking em embed mm -hmm. that I could pop into whatever page of my website is appropriate. So I might write a blog post about, you know, something in the news about, let's say copyright. Mm -hmm. And I can embed right into that blog post. Like, Hey, do you want a refresher on copyright? Check out this you know, podcast episode, or I don't even have to call it a podcast episode. I could, in the text, I could just say this audio explanation and yeah. they click on it and then they are listening to my podcast. And so it all kind of feeds together. That's terrific. And, and really a great way to repurpose or multi-purpose the content as you create it as well. And, and if you're thinking really strategically at the time you're creating it, maybe you're, you know, <laughs> filling in the blanks on, on a site or, or content information. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's terrific. Uh, uh, taking a multimedia approach to informing the public on the subjects that you are, as you said, you're talking about them anyway, over and over again, you might as right. well get it out. Yeah, exactly. So what was it that turned you on to podcasting as a medium in the first place? Did were, I presume you were a listener before you were a podcaster? Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't remember sort of the first podcast I listened to. I do remember vaguely 
in the kind of mid 2000s when the name, you know, when the term first started floating around that I would check some out. I had some, you know, maybe on my iPod um, back in the ancient times. And, um, you know, from time to time, maybe a friend would say, hey, check this out or, or um, uh, you know, somebody I know would have one briefly or something like that. So, but I, you know, in those days, it wasn't quite as easy to engage with them yeah. um, before everybody had a podcast app on a device in their pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like most people, I just kind of dipped into it. And then, you know, a few years ago, I started really listening to um, Mark Marin mm-hmm. and a few other similar shows that I really enjoyed. And I, you know, I just, like a lot of people, I never really liked listening to the commercials, um, but I did, uh, you know, listen to NPR and other things, and, you know, I nobody likes hearing the pledge drives. So, um, when I realized, oh, I can get the same content um, on demand and not have to, um, you know, listen to commercials, and I can listen to it, you know, I can stop and start, etc., I just kind of got into it and then I just kept digging and digging because like anything else um you know once you discover that you like a medium then it's you you know you want to see what else is out there and and uh so probably my story isn't different from most other people's but that's kind of how I got into it okay so so then you decided that you were going to do a podcast yourself you're on episode number well you've published episode number 20 and I gather you have some other episodes in the can right now yeah, I uh, my numbering sequence is a little eccentric, so I, oh. I'm yeah I have some bonus episodes just because of the and we could talk about some mm. of the the formatting and all that kind of stuff. But um, I, I've published about twenty five episodes. And, okay. Yeah, I've got um, quite a few more in the can, and I've got a ton of interviews scheduled. So I've got maybe I'm I try to do. Uh, and again, you, you this is your show, so you tell me if I'm going <laughs> off topic. But I want to give all the nuts and bolts I can. But I do. You know, one piece of feedback that I do get from people is that, um, you know, people who like what I'm doing uh, enjoy it, but they sometimes they say, look, I, I just can't keep up with all this. Yeah. Um, now, I listen to a ton of podcasts. I, you know, I'm not going to say I'm listening to a podcast right now while we're speaking, but, you know, <laughs> a lot of other times in my day, I'll just have something on. So I can digest and consume a lot of, a lot of shows. But sure. for people that don't, you know, they're their lifestyle isn't set up yeah. that way or they're not as engaged with it. Mm-hmm. It's hard to listen to, you know, an hour or two every week. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to really hold back on releasing a ton of episodes. So um, I've got a ton of interviews scheduled. So I know that means, you know, I'm trying to like take it easy on scheduling episodes out so that I can, mm-hmm. you know, I can kind of catch up. Sure. But I'm also trying not to get behind. So Anyway, well, yeah, it's uh, nice to get them in the can and then release them according to a schedule. It's good. That consistency, I think, is is um, more important probably than overall volume of the show. If you if you put it out, if if people are starting to expect it to be every every week, then it becomes a part of their routine. And frankly, it disrupts them if they don't hear your show on the day that they expect to. And uh um, and you know, as lawyers, of course, that's one of the things we definitely want our clients and referral sources to identify us as is reliable. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to yeah, show exactly. up and do what we say we're going to do. So, exactly. so I'm just every Monday morning I have a show out, and sometimes I'll throw a bonus out if it mm-hmm. if it makes sense to do it. But generally speaking, it's a I have that tempo. Okay, so let's talk about the tech now a little bit. Let's get geeky. Yes. What are you using in terms of gear? Okay. I will tell you, it's been quite a journey. Mm. Um, I I 
did a lot of research before I got into this, like many people will do. But I also am stubborn and like to do things my own way. <laughs> and I, you know, one of the reasons I got into this, to be completely honest, is because I played in rock bands for many, many years, sure. maybe 10 years, something like that, um, maybe more. And I stopped a few years ago just because, you know, I kind of had it and I was sick of dealing what, with it. What them. instrument? I primarily played bass, but also guitar and nice. other things. Cool. Um, and we'd practice in my garage. So I had some audio equipment lying around. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, I could just repurpose this equipment that had had, you know, 10 years of beer and whatever other bodily <laughs> fluids right. spilled on it um, to, uh, to make my podcast. So, uh, you know, I had a Mackie 1202 mixer that I think I swiped out of my parents' garage mm -hmm. in like 1992. Mm -hmm. um, and I had some Shure SM58 sure. mics. <laughs> that um, old standby also, of the garage band uh, that had yeah. yeah that were very much um you know that had been played on stages and, yeah. and beat around and all that kind of stuff um and i just plugged it on in and i started using garage band because it uh, you know it was already on my computer and i kind of figured it out so i know that some people use different um editing software but i've figured out garage band well enough that sure. I, I would really need to see a lot of margin and changing mm -hmm. Um, but you know, that equipment that served its purpose, if we're, you know, sort of loudly playing a song in my, <laughs> in my garage, didn't, you know, didn't necessarily reproduce the highest fidelity. So over time I've kind of evolved it, but it's still a moving target. Mm -hmm. I'm talking to you right now on an ATR, um, 2100, uh, which is a USB mic. Cause I keep that in my office. Mm -hmm. Um, and that way, you know, if I'm going to do a, a podcast interview or, you yeah. know, like this, I could just kind of pop it in. Um, and it sounds good. Let's face it. It's an, it's an easy mic to use. It's yeah. there in your office. You, you know, you want something that's going to be plug it in and go and, and move on with your day so right. that you can have that consistency and do interviews easily and that kind of stuff. So that's great. Exactly. And I, um, and now I use this for, you know, any kind of Skype or, you know, something yeah. like that, even if it's just a business call, but sure. I do also have a Logitech, headset i don't remember which model mm -hmm. it works okay but i wasn't in love with the quality so that's why i did upgrade yeah. um and then i finally retired that old mixer and and um i actually just got the uh zoom h6 nice. um, that's what we're recording on right now yeah yeah and i i have not even used it for an episode yet mm -hmm. i just haven't had the opportunity ah. um, but i've been playing around with it and i'll be using it next week so um but but so far it seems very intuitive. So I'm mm -hmm. still using the SM58s for the home recording, and they they work pretty well. But uh, into the Zoom, it sounds pretty good, and I'm hoping that all goes smoothly. <laughs> yeah, the tricky part for for uh, uh, Skype calls is getting the audio back out to your callers, you know, through the computer. But right. Even that's just you know some patch cords, not a big right. Deal, so. Yeah, but honestly, right now uh, what I've been doing is just recording. Um, the Skype into call recorder and uh -huh. just both sides are on Skype and then I just drop that into GarageBand and edit from there. So oh, not the not necessarily the smoothest way of doing it <laughs> and over time I know that'll improve but right now it's working so you know what works is better than what might work but I haven't figured it out yet. Awesome. Now did you get any help with setting all this up or you were enough of a techie guy to uh, figure it out on your own? Um, I did not get help from anybody specifically, just a lot of Googling, yeah. a lot of self-tech support. I did um, watch 
Pat Flynn's series on YouTube of yeah. how to do a podcast episode. Mm-hmm. And some of that was useful, although I think he recorded most of those a few years ago. So even though, you know, things change rapidly, yeah. so some of the some of the advice might not be he might have updated it since then. This was like last year at some point. Yeah. So um, but um, yeah, I just, you know, the I would definitely recommend people go to the um, podcasts subreddit if you're on reddit or even mm-hmm. if you're not on reddit just go there because it's every day there's a lively discussion about podcasts and every question i've ever had um you know somebody has jumped in and answered right away um people do um monthly rating and review shares so we'll listen to each other's episodes and then give it you know ratings and reviews which is always important yeah. it's a really lively community and actually uh, you know some people like jordan harbinger from art of charm which mm-hmm. is one of the biggest podcasts he's always in there just answering people's questions like almost sort of anonymously like you would have to oh, look wow. closely to see that it was him um and so you know it's it's um I, I definitely recommend that as a as a great resource for people who just need that one question answered or want a little bit of emotional support. Like, okay, I'm driving myself crazy. How do I do this? Or am I the only one who has this problem? Nice, nice. And I hadn't thought about the subreddit uh, communities, but they're very strong. That's a great, especially for something sort of techy like this. That's cool. Yeah. So, talk about how the podcast ties in and you've done it, you've talked about it a little bit but how does it tie in with your practice are you seeing a positive influence from having the episodes available on your website and is it supporting your law practice yeah it is so i launched my podcast in november and we are recording this in february mm-hmm. so it's really only been like 4 months yeah. and you know if your law practice is anything like mine a lot of these things take time it's a long um sure you know, there's there's a sort of sequence of events. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen my traffic to my website go up dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, from uh, I, I think a lot of that is related to the website, uh, to the podcast rather. Sure. Um, so you know, generally speaking, my presence has increased, mm-hmm. and I'm starting to get inquiries from people who are like, "Oh, I heard your podcast about you know this, that, and the other, etc." Um, but it, there's a lot of different plays. To be had here. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, I'm developing relationships with the guests that I'm speaking to, and mm-hmm. and so that some of those are turning into referrals and things like that. Um, I've gotten um, several actual clients from appearing on other people's podcasts, which nice. is great. And honestly, you just don't expect to have direct ROI from those kind of things. But um, you know, John Lee Dumas uh, from Entrepreneur on Fire, who's you know pretty well known in that space. Yeah. Um, he's a friend and a client, and um, you know he was nice enough to ask me to to come on to his show a couple times and do um, <clears throat> little legal tips for his mm-hmm. audience, which of course I was happy to do. And um, his audience is very loyal, and um, and so that's been a good source, and um, a few others as well, hundred dollar MBA. Yeah. Um, so um, and those all kind of flowed through me having my own show and developing relationships that way. So some of it is not completely direct like somebody hears my my show and then immediately calls me up and says you know where do, how do i make a deposit into your client trust account you know it's not <laughs> quite that quick right um but uh there has been direct monetization benefits as well Fantastic. as just the general benefits of inc- increasing my you know network of relationships and all that kind of stuff that's awesome that's awesome so Tell me a little bit about the, I want to talk workflow generally, how you prep for the show, what the process for you is and post-production, all that kind of stuff. But I'm particularly interested in um, 
how you book your guests because you've had some amazing guests and you say you've got a bunch more lined up and, and uh, talk to talk a little bit about how you go about doing that, the mechanics of it, frankly. Yeah, it's, uh, it's again, it's a little bit of an eccentric process because, you know, only me and my producer, Mana Monzavi, who's also my wife, mm. um, really um, can, you know, can nail down exactly who would be a good guest because there's a couple of things that I'm trying to do. Number one, I, I strive as much as possible to have guests who are not appearing on a bunch of other podcasts. So, for example, if you listen to business or marketing type podcasts, which I do, and I, you know, there's a lot of great ones. Yeah, it's that very no- self-reflexive, everybody's yeah. stroking everybody's back. Uh- <laughs> yes, you'll notice that a lot of the, you know, a lot of people start appearing on each other's shows mm-hmm. and, you know, somebody comes out with a book and then they're all on everybody's shows. And that's great. And I, you know, that's useful. But I just felt like, why do I want to be the 60th, you know, yeah. person in line for that, you know, for that bu- buffet? Sure. Um, so I, I, I strive to find people that are that stories are not necessarily being told or just aren't in that loop. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really want it to be diverse in a lot of different contexts. Number one, I don't want it to just be middle-aged white guys like me, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, again, a danger that you run into. Um, and I want uh, to, just for my own interest, I want to speak to people that have different life experiences and are doing different things. So I yeah. speak to people... In the creative arts, I've had um, rock stars and musicians. Uh, um, actually, yeah, next uh, next week I've got uh, Peter Yarrow from Peter Paul and Mary, nice. who you know marched with Martin Luther King and mm-hmm. has done all these amazing things. Um, and then I've had entrepreneurs, online entrepreneurs. Um, I've had uh, people that have gotten into the sort of arts or creative um, businesses, sort of like the Etsy world. Sure. Um, just a whole real diverse I've had of a champion martial artist who's also a fine art painter. Um, just just a real kind of diverse set. And I can sort of tell, like, if I know of this person and I think, wow, I would like to speak to them, <laughs> then, mm-hmm. you know, that's just my own gut telling me it's a good thing. And so, honestly, what I've been doing is just every time I read, you know, a book or I read an article about somebody that seems interesting or hear something um, that I'm just like, wow, I would love to have the opportunity to speak to that person mm-hmm. just to see what makes them tick or where they came up with that idea. I, I just reach out to them or email their publicist. You can just Google, um, you know, if you're looking for somebody that's either an author or somebody that has a public profile, a lot sure. of times if you just Google, you know, so-and-so publicist or so-and-so, you know, representation, or they might have that yeah. on their website. Yeah. And people, I'm just shocked that a lot of times people respond favorably and, you know, I'll, Email somebody whose work I've been reading for 20 years and, you know, their assistant will get back to me and say, yeah, how's March 14th? I mean, it's just amazing. That's it's, great. Uh, it's great. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, so I'm just trying to keep it diverse. And now I'll, some of that is incoming to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting pitched. That's great. Um, and also just friends and people, you know, fans of the show will just tell me, hey, you should talk to this person. Mm-hmm. So it's it's evolving. But I I I, I try not to... I try to be as intentional as possible about it and not just kind of get caught up in the rhythm because you know, right. it's a, you, you want it to be you want it to be good. So I'm trying to keep that mix good. That's great. That's great. So how do you prep for the show when you've got one of these interviews scheduled? Do you do a lot of research into the person? You're reading up a lot on their background and what they're up to? And- I sort of try to do enough that I uh, can have an interesting conversation, but not so much that I'm already bored of it or yeah. you know I know everything. Um, 
if I'm having an author, I do read the book, which yeah. I find not everybody does. I mean, I've listened to shows, mm-hmm. whether it's on the radio podcast or, you know, whatever. I mean, well, you, you can tell it's cliff notes at best, right? <laughs> yeah, you can tell it's cliff notes and you can tell when somebody's really taken the time to read it. Mm-hmm. And so I do that and I find that people are kind of impressed. Yeah. In fact, you know, I had an author and I reached out to her and I said, oh, you know, I'd like to speak to you and and so she, you know, they, she said, okay, um, can we send you the book? And I said, well, I already have the book. I'm, I'm reading it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and she was sort of shocked. I, you know, well, I wasn't looking for a freebie. I just I genuinely wanted to talk to her. So, um, that's great. you know, that's, um, it, it really varies. Sometimes mm-hmm. I, I already know this person quite well, either personally or just, I know their work. So yeah. that's easy. Sometimes I don't. And, um, you know, so, so it really just kind of varies. Okay. So the recording process, you mentioned that you use Skype call recorder when you're doing these interviews mostly. Yep. Okay. What about post-production? What is the, how much post-production goes into your show and who does it and (laughs) that kind of thing? So I do basically everything. The only things I don't do myself are, um, I do have a, somebody who works for me who does a draft of the show notes. Okay. Um, and then um, I also have illustrations made of all my guests rather than using the headshot. So mm-hmm. I don't, I'm not an illustrator, so I have an illustrator who, who works on that. But everything else I do myself. So I record it, you know, if it's, let's say it's done remotely. I record it on, uh, on Skype call mm-hmm. recorder. I separate the tracks. I turn them into MP3s. I drop them into the GarageBand file. And then I have music. I have theme music, which mm-hmm. is from a local band, and they gave me permission to use it. <laughs> and, <Well done. laughs> um, and so I've, you know, I've cut that up. Yeah, and so I already have the chunks of that, and um, then it's just a matter of me recording the intros and outros and sort of assembling everything. I don't heavily edit the interviews okay. um, unless there's some major issue, you know, or sometimes in the middle of an interview. I'm sure you've had this happen, like yeah. the personal, you know, have an urgent phone call or something, and or the Skype will have a glitch, or yeah, the Skype will have right. a glitch, or or something happens. So then I'll edit it. If there's a major audio problem, I'll edit it. Um, Mm-hmm. Once in a while, a, a, somebody will be telling a story and it doesn't really go anywhere. And I'll just feel like, you know what, I could cut out that five minutes and mm-hmm. make a better experience for everybody. So I'll do that. But that's not that often. And I do, from time to time, I've had people ask to listen to the audio after the fact because mm-hmm. um, maybe they feel like maybe they said something they're not too sure about or they're they're a little controversial. Yeah. So far, I haven't had anybody actually ask me to take something out. Hmm. I probably would. Um, unless, I don't know, unless they confess to a murder or something, you know, I don't know, (laughs) but you know, it's more like somebody, you know, I'll have an artist who will say something and then maybe he'll think, uh, maybe I shouldn't have said, you know, that about whatever, but so far it really hasn't ever been an issue. Well, you're a lawyer like me and and in a similar practice area. Do you use a release of some sort with these folks or what do you do on that front? So you have a clear. I do the way that I do it. Uh, is I have a release form that is in a page on my website. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not public. Like you, you know, it's not. You won't see yeah. it on my website. But there's a page on there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in the sort of pre-interview email that I send to every interviewee, mm-hmm. I include um, a link to that and just saying, hey, you know, here are the terms of. Uh, if you by coming on the show, you're agreeing to these terms. Yeah. If you have any questions about it, let me know. I have had one or two people who've gone through it and have asked, you know, to clarify something mm-hmm. or, you know, just asked me to not, you know, to agree to ask them if I'm going to republicize it in some other format. And, you know, I've basically said, yes, it's not really worth yeah. having that much negotiation about it. But 
I do think it would be a little cumbersome to ask people to sign a release personally. So no, I, I just don't. I don't know. It just seems like that's overkill. No, I think that's a a, a good practice. In fact, I just uh, drafted one of those for somebody <laughs> this week. So uh, you know, we set it up as a Google form where they fill in their name as the way of signing. And right, uh, yeah, um, yeah, it works out nicely. And you know, you have a record that on this day, this person typed their name into the thing. So, yeah. Yeah, I might. I've thought about doing it that way. So it just, you know, it's just the cost benefit. Everything yeah, adds a little time to the workflow and, and friction. Yeah. yeah, and friction. So anyway, yeah. So the big objection that I think most lawyers come to with this question of should I start a podcast is the amount of time spent putting it together. What do you have to say on that subject? That is a valid objection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> objection sustained. Um, <laughs> That's a little lawyer joke for you. Um, I um, it does take a lot of time, and then after, just like anything else, it's going to get a little bit faster sure. um, as you learn to do it, and you, you know, you have functions and streamline it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm definitely looking to uh, probably outsource some more aspects of it over time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I kind of felt like I needed to do everything myself at first just to learn all the nuts and bolts and yeah. to get things the way I want. And then, you know, then eventually those will become systems that I can train somebody else to do. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of time. Look, but I guess I would say, you know, everybody has different ways of generating business if that's what you're doing this for. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you're going to go to a networking lunch or something, you're probably going to get in your car, drive, park, go to the thing, talk to people, blah, 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 get back in your car. You know, what is that? Probably two hours out of your day, yeah. um, you know, when you add it all up. Um, so, And if you're lucky, really connect with three, maybe five or six people. Yeah, a lot of times those are done. And I'm not saying those aren't good. Um, yeah. But if you have a podcast you know, even a not particularly well-rated podcast, mm-hmm. you might be talking to hundreds of people. If you're mm-hmm. doing okay, you're talking to thousands of people. Sure. Um, that's probably a lot more people than you're going to get to connect with at, you know, some cocktail hour or whatever. Um, so, um, you know, when you think about it that way in terms of, okay, yeah, it is time, but is there something else that I'm doing that's less productive that I could cut out of my schedule? Um, you know, that might be one way to think about it. Um, of course, there are services that can do some of it for you. Um, you know, I I I, pr- I think that the reality is going to be that as time goes by, it's just going to get easier and easier because people are going to find a way to productize things that oh, are yeah. now handheld services. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I, I mean, you 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 do that some of that yourself in terms of helping people understand sure. the process. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but it's a time investment, and just like anything else. Um, you know, if you want it to be good, it's going to take more time than if you want it to be not so good. Um, <laughs> but um, I don't know. For me personally, it's something that I really wanted to do. I figured I would want to set this up so that I get the benefit of enjoying it and having good conversations. And then any business that comes from it is just gravy. So um, there's there's no way for me to do this and lose and so far, that has worked out even better than I would have expected. So, um, you know, if you can if you can do that, if you, if you have a passion for it, and you can set yourself up that way, great. Um, but um, I, I'm not going to tell you that it's not going to take time, and you're not going to have to troubleshoot, and you're it's going to be easy. It's just we're not there yet. Okay, so. Let's talk about favorite moments. You got you got 25 or so episodes live, and some more in the can. 
favorite moment from your experiences so far as a podcaster? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, to some extent, some of my favorite moments are when people say yes to be on the show. Nice. <laughs> because, um, you know, it's like, wow, this person responded. I'm talking to this person. Um, favorite moments. Um, can I give you a moment that is that I really screwed up. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't know why that one pops into my head, but it, it was a lesson, you know, okay. and it's, it's a lesson that anybody can learn. It doesn't matter if you do podcasting or not, but I, I wanted to reach out to this musician, mm-hmm. um, about a legal case that he'd been involved in. Um, and not a superstar, but you know, he's, he's had a career. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I won't name him because even though I'm the person who looks bad in this story. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I emailed his publicist and I said, hey, I would like to speak to so-and-so about this. Is he available to do interviews? Is he interested? And he personally wrote back to me like the next day and hmm. said, oh, you know, I'm actually not able to talk about that. But, you know, if that changes, I'll let you know. And I was really impressed. This guy wrote back all by himself and he didn't, you know, do a rock star thing or whatever. Yeah. And I forwarded that email to my wife and I said, um, Hey, look, he wrote back all by himself. That's, you know, really cool. I should play you his one big hit so you know who, you know, who this is because she just, you know, she mm-hmm. wasn't as dialed into this guy's music. Well, it turned out that I hit reply instead of forward. Oh. So I sent that to him. Oh. And we've probably all done this, but yeah. I, you know, so and he wrote back right away like, "What do you mean one big hit? I've had many hits." And I was like, "Oh my god, there's no way that I'm going to resolve. There's no yeah. I just I just burned that bridge." Mm-hmm. And so um you know, it was a reminder that uh, you know, be careful to you know who you're sending an email to and what you put in writing. Um, but I don't know. It just, it, it, I was totally embarrassed. But then I was like, all right, I got to kind of own this moment. Yeah. Um, and um, you know, I figured if that's the biggest screw up I I have during this process, that I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Um, so you know, funny things like that do happen. Um, but you know, honestly, it's. I would say, other than that, the moments that I've really enjoyed are the ones when. Going back to the beginning of this conversation, my original theory about you know the the intersection of creativity and business and how pe- how that uh, all ties together. When my theory is proven true, you know when I'm talking to somebody who's uh, you know a business person and they've been successful and they start just talking about their creative process and how they mm-hmm. came up with things and it just comes out organically and I'm like yeah that's 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 what I wanted to talk about and you know it just happened and and vice versa when um you know when a person on the creative side starts to have some really insightful thing um ideas that might be useful to anybody including somebody who you know sees himself as a business person those those you know those kind of gems are really um really make it seem like make me feel like wow i had a i had a good idea all along yeah that's great do, do you you mentioned that you send an email to everybody in anticipation of the recording do you do you prep them do you give them a sense of the questions you're going to ask you do you send them the actual questions or what, how how does that work? I don't, I Mm. don't send them the questions. I just tell them it's a conversational style interview. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes they'll listen to some of my shows beforehand. Sometimes they won't. Mm. Um, you know, I've had people from time to time kind of ask like, what are we going to talk about? And I'll maybe just give them a a sentence or two. Mm -hmm. Um, I just like to kind of have the conversation flow in unexpected directions. Sure. So I do prep beforehand. Um, 
you know what I'm going to talk about, but it's very loose. I mean, it's really more in my head, mm-hmm. um, and I know I want to hit a couple of themes, and I'll make myself a couple notes, like you know, just one or two word notes, like ask about this or remember that you know this person won a Nobel Prize or whatever, you know, <laughs> something like that. Um, yeah. But short of that, I, it's really just like I kind of like doing it without a net and having that improvisation and. When I've written out more questions, I kind of, I don't know, I feel like I'm following some format that yeah. I don't, that just doesn't work for me. I don't know. So I, I like, I like having that flow. And sometimes that means I, there's a dead air and I completely <laughs> my face or I'm like, wait, what am I supposed to talk about next? But it's a skill set that I'm developing. So I think it's worth doing. That's great. And yeah, you know, good being a good interviewer is frankly, it's a lawyer skill as well. It's great for, you know, it makes us better lawyers. So yeah. Okay, last question. What advice would you offer uh, another lawyer who comes to you who's thinking about starting podcasting? Well, I, I let's see. What advice would I give? This is probably like the wrong advice to give. But <laughs> the advice that I give most people, let's take it a step back. A lot of people come to me. I've had my practice for 11 years mm-hmm. now. Um, and a lot of uh, people come to me either that are recently out of law school or maybe they're working for a firm and they mm-hmm. want to go solo or start their own thing and they're not sure how to do it. So they ask for my advice and I talk to these people. And I usually give them the advice to um, start a blog um, because that is so easy to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just always tell people, look, you know, if I was a potential client or a potential employer and I can see that you've on your own steam, written about this legal topic, and you've been doing it consistently, you know, once a week for however long, um, you know that that's impressive, and it and it shows initiative, it shows understanding of the subject matter, and it, you know, it's there's really no cost to it. You can mm-hmm. do it on Medium or wherever, or right. you know, for free. Um, and so I still give people that advice. So when people have asked me about podcasting, I say, look. You, I think podcasting is great, but you might also want to consider this, you know, as an either or thing. Now they can relate together. You can do what I sometimes do, which is write a blog post and then also record it as a podcast. So there's not it's not necessarily either or, but um, you know, if you're thinking about doing a podcast but you're not sure you can handle the commitment and the time and whatever, it might be good to start writing a blog mm-hmm. and see if you can get yourself into that flow creating content and so forth, and then work your way up to podcasting, which is just a little bit more of a cost and time commitment um, to deliver it. Fair enough. That's great. That's great. Well, is there anything I should have asked you that I haven't? Oh, my gosh. What should you have asked me? Who do, <laughs> who's going to win the Oscar for best pick? No, I don't know. Um, no, I think, you, um, I, think you, I think you covered it. Okay. You're, you're a pro. You've been doing this a well, long time. So uh, I knew I knew I was going to be in good hands. Well, thank you. And, and I knew I'd have a good interview. So it's a mutual <laughs> admiration society we got going here. This has been a terrific interview, really. I, I, and I want to say how much I appreciate it. I'm grateful. I'm sure the listeners have gotten a lot out of it. And uh, thank you, David Lizerbram, for joining us. Uh, excuse me, Lizerbram. I misspoke your name. <laughs> <laughs> totally fine. You're not the first. Um, how can folks gonna- reach you? Yeah, how can they reach me? Um, so the podcast is Products of the Mind. Um, so you can go to productsofthemind.net and that will actually not not only bring up the podcast, but that will it's linked to my website for my law firm, so you can contact me directly awesome. through there. I'm also on Twitter, at David Lizabram. There's only one David Lizabram in the world, so that is me. If you find it anywhere, I'm the person. Um, but, um, yeah, the easiest thing would be to go to Products of the Mind, which okay. you can find in any of your 
favorite podcast apps. Um, and then that would link you to all of my other stuff. All right. Fantastic. <clears throat> well, th- listen, thanks also to the listeners. Uh, I hope you'll take a moment to send us your comments and suggestions on the website at lawpodcaster.com and uh, a review on the iTunes store or any place else that uh, has podcast reviews is always very welcome. It helps us uh, get noticed and discovered and uh, achieve rankings and those kinds of things. And that's about going to wrap it up for this episode of the Law Podcasting Podcast. If you're interested in podcasting for your practice, the Power Podcasting for Lawyers course is now available. Visit lawpodcasting.com and I'll send you a free law podcasting resource guide and much more information. And until next time, keep on podcasting. Podcasting.